Welcome to the Freedom Focus series on the Fearless Tips and Talks podcast. We've got something special for you because we are going to interview approximately 10 guests who have found freedom in a particular area of their life. I'm so honored to take you through this chain-breaking series where we dive into specific topics that bombard our daily living. We want to equip and inspire you to walk in freedom from fear and anxiety in a world that feeds it. Well, hello, Fearless family. I am so excited today because I have a amazing friend who walks so closely with Jesus that he inspires me every single day and his wisdom nuggets that he shares into my life have actually been recorded in the book Nervous Breakthrough. So when I think of Will, I literally think wisdom. Will is full of wisdom. He exudes love and kindness and compassion. He really thinks outside the box, especially in the way that he communicates. And it's just always so soothing to my soul. And so I cannot wait for you to hear the wisdom that he's going to talk about today. And for those of you that are just tuning in, we are in a new series called Freedom focus. And so what we're doing in this series is we're taking specific topics and we're talking about how those topics actually can create fear and anxiety in our lives and how do we walk in freedom with them. So today we're going to be talking about misunderstood manhood, misunderstood manhood. But first I want to introduce you to my friend, Will. Will's mission is to help people and organizations maximize their potential. And the beautiful part about this is he says it starts in the home. It starts because he's a husband to Sarah and a father of three beautiful young women, but also an incredible energetic son. So he brings this mission to a global tech company where he leads his teams, he coaches people, and he's an innovator. And he's been doing this for about 15 years. He's originally from Northwest India. Indiana, but Will has called St. Louis his home since 1995. He recharges best in the morning with high quality coffee. I have been a benefactor of this high quality coffee, which is so good. Nature walks, enjoying a sunrise on the beach or over the Missouri River. Will sees himself as a fearless friend and he uses his gifts and talents to come along Fearless Unite and serve wherever he's needed. So today I want to introduce you to my great friend, Will Good. Will, welcome to Fearless Christy. Tips and Talks. Thank you. That was quite the introduction. It can only go downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't disappoint anyone listening here. You well, I'm honored. I'm really disappoint. honored. And you know what? You brought your high energy coffee today for Done. me in decaf form, which yes. I'm so grateful for. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. You just are so kind and so compassionate. Before we get into this misunderstood manhood, I'm going to pray for us. Yeah, please. Jesus, thank you so much for this topic. Thank you that it's just come about and that we're going to talk about it, Lord. And it could get controversial, but we don't want that. That's not our heart. We want everyone to hear and understand uh, what God's will would be in this situation, Father. So we just ask you to take over and lead and guide this conversation. Take it where you want it to go, Father. And for all the people listening, Lord, I pray that any stereotypes or things that they believed about about manhood, that they didn't know where they received it from. Maybe it's tradition, maybe it's family, God, that they would sit with this and they would be able to ask you, God, what do you say about me? In Jesus name. Amen. All right, Will. So I am going to start kind of, I, I felt like your bio was something that is um, really cool because you said that it starts in the home. Your leadership starts in the home. And I think when we think about misunderstood manhood, we think, uh, you know, woman stays home. She cooks, she cleans, she does, you know, she doesn't work outside the home and we're getting better with that. Right. But the man, he goes to work, he's, he's the provider, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and I think sometimes we do misunderstood manhood and womanhood for, for, for that matter. So I just think it's really cool that you're your bio started out with a pretty cool definition of what manhood looks like. So um, I want to just start with defining manhood, biblical manhood. What, what do you think that is? And why do you think it's so important that we grasp 
this idea. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Thanks, Christy. Yeah. The, the, to go back to why it starts in the home, relationships are so important. They're important to me personally. They're important to God. When we look at the Bible and Jesus uh, is asked, you know, teacher, what are the greatest commandments? Right. And he responds, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And the second is to love your neighbor. And that's the relational part. Right. Mm -hmm. And why I believe that, you know, the best expression of being a man starts in the home is that's my primary area of relationship. I have the most influence, the tightest relationship with my spouse and with my children. I'm leaving a legacy with them, the way I interact with them and treat them. That is life changing to those relationships. And we see the, the results or the symptoms in our society in the friendships we have, even if we look in the mirror deep enough, like how was I affected as a person growing up, you know, as a child, or how was I affected by other people in my life by those relationships? And I know for me, just personally going into my own story, that so much of the way um, I grew up and the way I behave now, and I'm still trying to work through is based on what those relationships were like in the home. And so it's, it's difficult for me to separate out any definition of personhood uh, in, in terms of the opportunities from the role that parents play in their mm-hmm. children, the what role that a spouse plays with the spouse. And if you're not married or you don't have, you know, the uh, children, it's the relationships that you carry. So much of who you are and the health of who you are is going to impact the way that you relate with others and how you receive how people relate to you. That health is really, really huge. And it starts in the home. Mm. So what do you think are some of the common misconceptions or misunderstandings about manhood, womanhood, what people uh, look in the Bible as to how we are supposed to behave and react? What what are some of the misunderstandings? Yeah, for sure. And and I want to point this out too. We shared this just before we started rolling as I did a little research because you you asked, gave you some kind of pre, you know, pre-work questions to get ready for. And I was wondering, well, how do we really ask, uh, answer this question about manhood or masculinity or femininity? let's look to the Bible for that, right? Well, those concepts didn't exist when any of the books of the Bible were written. I just looked up the etymology, a big word, just, you know, it's an easy, easy thing to Google is what's the origin of a word, right? And, and I found that manhood didn't appear anywhere until the 14th century. Masculinity, the 1660s, femininity, the 1800s. And so we have these concepts that now are so big in our culture, in our language, in our society that really haven't risen to life until over a century after any of the things that we call the Bible today were written or three or four, you know, not centuries, sorry, millennia, right? Mm -hmm. Thousands of years later, we start rising up to these, these words. And so it's often, I think, um, a challenge for us to then try to answer that question if we don't go a little bit deeper. And we live in a culture that is like, you know, fast food and get my internet right away and, you know, just the, the services drop a whole season you can binge watch. Right. Mm-hmm. So we, we thrive on our convenience and, and comfort and pleasure in our society. And it's a question like this that requires us to go a little bit deeper to ask some deeper questions. And so I, what I want to pose to you and, and to, you know, to your audience is what does the, what does the Bible really say about people? Like, what are we supposed to be as, as persons made in the image of God and I think that's the the good starting point. You know, the um, the FBI, you probably have heard this story before, is how do you, how does the FBI or how do the experts in handling money recognize counterfeit money? They never look at a single counterfeit. They only study the real deal. And once they understand the real image, that's a, they're able to be able to determine what's the fake, right? And so when we understand what's the real deal, that helps us to determine kind of what's the outlier, what's the thing that doesn't make sense, what's the fake in terms of uh, any personhood, right? Whether it's a man or a female. And so when I when I look, I, I, are you familiar with Venn diagrams, Christy? Do you know what those yeah, circles are that overlap? I love Venn diagrams. I use those in my work all the time. But it's a great way to think about how different, things that are different kind of interact and intersect. And when you get to the middle, you usually have the truest kind of version or or piece of something. And so if I back up a little bit and look at, well, what does, you know, what does the Bible really say about personhood, right? And how do we become the fullest or the best version of ourselves as, you know, me as a man, you as a woman, it's several different things. On the one hand, just the Bible gives us good, uh, good, directions of how do I human well, right? As a person, right? What are the basic characteristics of how we interrupt, uh, interact together as people? You can see that in the law. You can see that in all the teachings of how do we best treat one another. 
And uh, what are all the examples of not treating one another really well, right? So those are, I, I call those godly how to human, you know, instructions. We can see those in, in the Bible. Then there's the unique image that we bear as uh, Genesis says, like God says, let us create man in our image, right? So we're created in his image. What does that unique characteristic look like? That manifests in our personalities and manifests in our gender, right? It manifests in the way that God creates us. And then another circle. So we've got two circles now, right? Godly, how to human, doesn't matter who you are. This is how you interact well. Your unique characteristics as a person. And then there's the gifts that you are given. So your characteristics are not necessarily your gifts. God can give you different gifts at different seasons to use them for the benefit of yourself and for others, right? We've got three circles. Now the fourth circle is a little bit challenging because that's our story. We live in a fallen, fallen world, as the Bible tells us, as we can, you don't have to be a genius to look around and, and recognize there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that isn't right, that isn't comfortable, that isn't healthy for people or for me. Our story is that next circle that comes in. And what I felt like, uh, what I felt like in that story part was there's a couple of different ways our story can go. Our, our story can either pummel us and kind of pervert us from our purpose, right? This is like causing us to, it's like a punishment, right? We feel like we're punished and we're not able to live out or understand those other three circles as they come together, or it can prepare us and propel us into our purpose, right? This is like promoting us into who we're supposed to be as imagers of God. I'll use this term imagers. I've read, read that in the book and it really stood out to me, but um, as an imager of God, I'm made in his image. He's given me unique characteristics, including my gender. He's gifted me. I, I know how I should treat people. There's a great example of that. And I know what feels right the way that I'm treated or mistreated. Then I've got that story. How am I interpreting that story? And uh, what has that story been like for me? For some of us, we've had a great story, a great upbringing. It started in the home, is really healthy. There's always still that tension. We're, we live in a, a world at war, as scripture tells us. It's really clear. There's an enemy who comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. In John 10, he says that. So there's that tension there. And the question is, are we going to uh, live from our true self or from our false self? Are we living from that place of being punished in our story, like mm. we've been punished or being promoted into that best version of ourselves? When we are able to live from that true self, that's when we as imagers of God, man and female, get to be that best version bring all those four circles together. That gives us that true picture like that. Here's what a real $5 bill looks like, right? So then we can compare it to the false kind of area. Now, if we look at, I think the easiest way to look at the misconceptions to kind of get back to the question, the misunderstandings is, um, to look at some of those, like, what is, what does Bible really say about how to godly human, right? It's about respect, right? How do we respect one another? How do we love one another? If we look at the fruit of the spirit, um, love and peace and joy and kindness and gentleness and and self-control. Look at those aspects. Uh, anytime we see an anti-pattern to those, right? Look at look up the antonyms for those words. It's easy to see that that's, that's probably not a true picture of who God intended that person to be, male or female. Sometimes we elevate certain characteristics of people. You know, for, for men, it's big for us as you know, how much money do we make? Mm -hmm. What's, what does the power or the success look like in our life? That's not necessarily aligned to how God has intended us to interact with one another, how he created us in his image, our unique gifting. Maybe we're not living that out. Maybe we're sacrificing all of that stuff just to go get something that the world cares about. And maybe the reason for that is that we haven't had enough interpretation in our story to actually go after our purpose. And when we don't go after our purpose or understand that, it's so easy to fall into the traps of what society tells us, yeah. right? Like leadership, we're all being led by somebody, right? We're all being influenced by somebody. The question I'd pose is, who's your influence? You know, if you're listening to this, who is the influence in your life? Because if the influence is what, you know, your parents told you you should do, maybe, maybe that was kind of, you know, my influence was get a, get a great job. Right. That was one of the big things for me growing up for many minutes career. It's, um, the type of person that you try to marry this, the car you drive, it's the, the outward appearances become so important. And if that's your influence, then, uh, it's, it's likely that your story is taking you in a direction that is not what God intended. Maybe ask a little bit more of God, what, who did you make me to be mm. when you set me in motion? You know, the word says that I knew you when you were in your mother's womb. 
What did you mean by that when you made Christy Bulwer and when you made Will good, when you, when you knit me together in my mother's womb, what did you mean by that? How can I live that out? Would you help me to have words and kind of a sense of what that means? Just asking that question is, is like, so unraveling of, am I, am I being who I'm supposed to be? Right. It's a huge question to ask. And that helps us to then start to think about how do I, how do I really frame the weight of my life or the purpose of my life? Got, you know, what God intended versus the influences that I've allowed to, you know, pull me in a, a trajectory that may not exactly be the best version of myself that God has. When I look, when I hear you speak and I, and I visualize the four circles, I, I, this pressing question comes to me and it, it's, do I get to choose? Do I get to pick what's in those four circles? Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes we think we do get to choose. Right. So as image bearers, how much of that is our choice and how much of that is just, no, Jesus made it that way mm-hmm. or God made it that way. For example, do I get to choose if I'm a good teacher or not a good teacher? Do I get to choose if I'm a female or a male? Do I get to choose? So how would you help us walk through those four circles in terms of like how much of it is our choice and how much, I mean, some of it can be developed, right? But Mm -hmm. how much of it is like, no, I'm sorry. This is just the man upstairs in charge says something and that's the way it is. Walks through that question. Yeah. It's a really great question. I think part of our, our part of our culture and our, you know, this culture we live in, in the United States in 2023 Mm -hmm. is when we're recording this is choice is everything for us. Everything is customized. Everything is, you could get it your way. You know, you can go on to exactly your way right away or whatever it is. Now Uh, you can customize everything. You can publish your own book. You can create your own t-shirt. You can do design your own house, almost design your own car, right? Customize. Everything is customizable. And so we've, we've over rotated, I think in our convenience, comfort and pleasure culture to where we just like, I think we have this entitlement mentality that like, so, so asking that question is really great, but we have to recognize. And I think acknowledge that we were, we are in a culture and in a time where you and I grew up, where we are biased towards having a right to have every choice and have every customization possible. Right. So just by asking that question, there's, there's going to be a bias for those who are listening. Like, well, I want to have the choice right? I want to be able to choose my thing. And that comes back to the the deeper question is, do you trust your own choice or do you trust God's choice for you more? And, and when I look back at my history and my story, I can, I can tell my story better than anybody else is I had a many seasons where I wanted to choose. I wanted, I wanted to have that choice, but I didn't understand God's heart for me. And I didn't really understand that how he designed and created me was absolutely for my good and for the benefit of others. Yeah. And so when we look at those four different circles that kind of interact, the, you know, godly, godly wisdom, how do we treat each other? That's, that's universal, right? right? That applies to everybody. So that's the low hanging fruit. That's an easy one. When we look at our unique image that he created us to be, yeah. do I have a choice? I have a choice whether or not I'm going to ask that question and seek it out or just go my own way. That's the choice I have. Ooh. Right. I've got that choice. But if God made me in his image and knit me together in my mother's womb, that decision's already been made. I've already been made in his image. If God made my unique DNA and my chromosomes fit together, that I was born as a male or a female, right? That decision has already been made in, in the womb, right? That's God's design for me is to uniquely bear his image. The question that I get to ask is, God, would you help me to understand and discern what are the unique characteristics of how you made me? so that I can live those out. A life-changing moment for me was uh, in the year 2000. I got a chance to go to a a school called Focus on the Family Institute. You've probably heard of Focus on the Family. It's still around, but the Institute, I think uh, it has um, uh, ceased to exist a a few years ago, but it was a life-changing experience for me because for the first time in 14 years of going, being in church, I actually heard the gospel story, like the fullness of the story. We talked about this early before recording, right? how powerful that is. But I also had somebody pose to me that, listen, God made you in his image in the most, that like the best possible thing you can do for yourself and for the world and to honor God is to live that very image out. And so it 
came, it gave me this, this place in my life where I could pause and ask the question, what's the trajectory I'm on? I'm on. Have I tried to interpret who God made me to be on my own or just completely ignored it? It gave me agency to ask that question. Mm -hmm. And now I can tell you, you know, 23 years later that I'm living in the fruit of allowing God to answer some of those questions for me, like really seeking that out versus me trying to force it down the path that I wanted to go. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a really powerful question. Ask God, would you help me to understand who did you mean when you made will? Right. It's a powerful question. Really powerful question. The the last one is gifting, right? The other part of the, the, the circles is gifting. And, uh, we have a choice of what we want to develop. Maybe there's something that we're interested or competent at that we can certainly develop. And that's a choice we have. You know, you have those choices too. There's probably areas where we naturally gravitate towards because God has this part of our characteristic. And then there's the gifting that we read about in scripture where God, you know, bestows gifts upon his children for his purposes, right? Mm -hmm. That's something we don't really choose. He gets Um, to decide. He gets to decide that. However, we get to choose whether or not we use it. And we get to choose the, the amount of faith that we take into it. There's a, um, a pastor in California. He uses this illustration. Like those gifts are kind of like, Hey, I'm, I'm letting you come to the soda fountain, right? If you're, if you get, you know, get a soda or if you're from the, the Northwest Indiana, where I grew up a pop, get a pop, <laughs> right? You, you're kind of given out which button you can push, but it's your faith that determines the size of the cup that you put underneath the faucet, right? Um. That was really good. Just an extra nugget there, but, but you don't get to really choose, but you can choose how much faith you're going to have as you live out that gift. The story part, we don't really get to choose, right? We kind of just forced into our story early on in our upbringing, but later on, as we develop that agency, that ability to make choices for ourselves, where we want to go, we get to be obedient to God's you know direction in our life. We get to have free will to choose whether we're going to love or hate. We, we have free will to choose how well we treat people, right? That's the part where we do get to to choose kind of what direction we go, right? The, the tension is going to be there are forces in the spiritual realm that are fighting against us making the best choices, right? That's just the reality. And uh, that's a hard thing. And mm-hmm. why, again, about who do you let influence you? What are the relationships you allow into your life? You have that choice as a person. And that actually is going to so um, vastly and powerfully affect the trajectory of your life. Again, those relationships yeah. that you have. There is someone's mind spinning right now and go back to the soda fountain and they're going, okay, well, like I want to put my cup under the fountain and I want to, I want to, I want to, but like, I don't even know what gifting I have. And I remember when I finally read in scripture, the spiritual gifts Mm -hmm. that were out there, could you just run through a few of them? Because there's somebody that's going to go, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that's a gift that I possess, but I think I do. And I think I want to put my cup underneath and I think I want more. So could you maybe process some of that out? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I I think I I tend to think of the spiritual gifts that help us to, they're not just applicable. When I say spiritual gifts, that doesn't mean that you can only use them if you're like a staff person at some sort of church, yes. right? Thank you for saying God, that. God, the word says that we're called a holy nation, right? A royal priesthood. All of us are ministers. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're listening to this, you are a minister of the gospel, the good news, right? Yes. The word tells us that our testimony is like a prophetic word. This is in Revelation, right? That our testimony, when you testify to what God has done in your life, you are already being like a prophet because you're test you're, you're sharing good news about how God has That's impacted right. your life. But the gifts to answer that question, the gifts um, like being a, an apostle, we look at, we think about apostle like Paul and, and Peter and the early disciples that became apostles. I, I kind of tend that I, I say that that's like, you're an entrepreneur. You start new things and God uses you to create new things, right? That's an apostle. That's awesome. Profits. Profit doesn't mean that you're making a lot of money, but it's okay to be profitable. It's a joke. <laughs> for <anyway. laughs> uh, But profit is, I see that as an encourager, right? You're, you're speaking. It's not necessarily being a fortune teller. That's different, but Mm. a prophet is often able to speak the word of God or speak truth from God in a way that encourages people. It's a gift that I, that I have that I love to use. I mean, it's not about me, but God's gift, gift, given it to me so that I can encourage you, Christy and the other people that I care about deeply. Uh, And that's, that's a super cool gift to encourage people to be able to speak God's truth, to translate it in a way that encourages and compels and and propels people uh, into their future, into their destiny. Uh, there's teaching, right? Can I, can I actually teach? Can I take a concept and translate it in a way that resonates with people so that they can receive that truth and apply it to their life? 
there's preaching, which is a little bit different, right? That's more about uh, evangelism, right? Mm-hmm. The, the evangelists, right? Um, there's pastoring or shepherding. Those are two words that sometimes have very similar meaning in, in the Bible. And that's about just really caring for people, really caring well for people, trying to be that that father or that mother figure that tries to help people, you know, advance in their, in their life or bring healing or whatnot, several other gifts. But those are the, those are the biggest ones that I see in scripture that God will uniquely gift, gift people with at different seasons. And, uh, sometimes for unique purposes, there's plenty of other gifts. I I don't want to be exhaustive, but those are ones that I, I see as offering so much hope and so much value to people in your life. And if you fill your cup up um, if you're uh, just asking the question, God, like James one says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all without finding fault. It's a great question to ask, question to ask, you know, God, who did you make me to be? And what gifts do you have for me? Where, where is your grace gifting, you know, gifting me something? How can I use that for the benefit of other people? Man, well, that was so good. And, and one little thing I want to add to it, and it, it goes with the male female thing too. The gift of hospitality mm, is, yes. is in there. And guess what? I don't have it. I don't have that gift, but it's often um, put with women. It, the gift mm-hmm. of hospitality is often put with women, but will you have the gift of hospitality in a mighty, mighty way? And uh, you're always serving and caring and taking care of and, and being hospitable. And so I think it's just kind of this cool thing where it's like, it's not just male or female. Yes. The gifts are distributed yes. to all people mm-hmm. at all times. And so I used to think I had to be Betty Crocker. And I would put this pressure on myself to bring baked goods and to cook and clean. And it was horrible. And I would burn things and it would just look awful. And it's, it wasn't until I felt like I asked those questions, God, who have you made Christy Bulware to be? I realized he didn't give me the gift of hospitality. Now I can, I can be hospitable to people, but it's not something that I thrive and excel in. So once I started to lay down being Betty Crocker and realize that some of my other giftings are leadership and teaching and pastoring and preaching, shepherding, you know, that kind of thing. I was like, okay. And so as soon as we can stop trying to pretend or get fit into this box, because culture says you're supposed to be X, Y, Z and really ask God, what have you made me to be? That's it's, it's mind blowing. And, and, and you walk in so much peace and purpose and less anxiety and fear that way too. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to link a spiritual giftings test in the show notes so you guys can take it and go through it. And, but really sit with that for a second, ask that question, who have you made me to be? And, and God will show you. And these tests are just tools. The ultimate answer will come from Jesus. And if you sit and ask him, he's going to show you. Yes. I hope you're enjoying this powerful conversation with my dear friend, Will Good. I wanted to quickly interrupt to tell you about Podcast Plus. This is exclusive bonus content that we release to you each month only if you're a Podcast Plus subscriber. If you love our fearless talks, you are going to love our bonus interviews even more. So just for $5 a month, you'll get access to this content. So head over to fearlessunite.com backslash podcast to subscribe or click the link in the show notes to get started. You want to know what the added bonus is too? You're helping support our podcast. If this podcast has impacted your life for the better, we'd greatly appreciate your support with Podcast Plus. Now, back to my conversation with Will Good. So there's something really special about knowing I'm not Betty Crocker. Mm -hmm. There's something very special about knowing how God has gifted me. Speak into that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Christy, I just love that you've recognized that hospitality is not necessarily a spiritual gift, but you are capable of adopting that and using it when it's necessary. Absolutely. And I think that's just a way to love people, right? Yeah. And so that's a, a that's uh, how you human one of, well. One of God's, you know, instructions to human well. And so that means that we we have the freedom, right? Not to do whatever whatever we want to do, but sometimes to do things we don't necessarily want to do or or aren't necessarily naturally gifted at because it's a way to love people. If that's the central thing, right, is just ask that question. How do I love people well? What I love about your story, Christy, is and being able to witness this as as you've if you continue to grow, you know, personally, 
is that you are elevating in the areas that God has gifted you and the, the story that he's weaving. You're using that story and you're, you're taking that period of your life where you were really pummeled and, you know, being punished, you know, and you're now using it with a purpose and you're promoting kind of God's goodness in your life. You're gravitating towards those areas where he, he's gifted you. What's really powerful about that is when we as, as people start to understand who God made us to be. And we live from that. We have so much hope and so much life and light in our, in our lives. I love this, this, uh, this passage from, from first Peter three, it says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. This is the, this is the fantastic part. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have the reason for the hope that you have. Now, wait a second. So that, that implies that we actually have a hope in our life that is so hopeful, that is so brilliant, that is so different from the people around us, that someone's going to ask you a question. How many of you listening have had somebody ask you a question? Why are you so different? Why are you glowing? Why is there so much hope in your life? And I would challenge you. I I would, I would really challenge you to ask the question is, am am I living a life fully alive as, as God intended as Jesus made me? So that I am so glowing and I see you glowing, Christy, that people ask you where you where that's coming from. Right. And a lot of that comes back to recognizing, asking the question, but then recognizing what those gifts are and then living them out. This is the unique characteristics that God has made you to be. It's really, really powerful. So there are some people that are listening right now and they're like, okay, I think I've gotten stuck in some stereotypes. I think I've gotten stuck in some tradition. I think my mama's always told me, or my dad has always told mm-hmm. me, and you, you kind of just have carried on a certain level of just, I do it this way because every, everyone's always told me to do it this way. How do we kind of break free of maybe some of these stereotypes, especially after you educated us at the top of this podcast where this wasn't even a thing, right? right? So how did, I don't know, maybe how did we get there and what are some ways to break free of some of these stereotypes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Man, stereotypes are so powerful. Again, back to kind of basics is we are almost always a product of what we let influence us, right? Yeah. Who do we believe about us? And you talk a lot about this in, in Fearless Unite and a lot of the materials that, that you produce and help teach people through, right? So what do I believe about myself when I look in the mirror? And a lot of that is a product of how our upbringing was, who we've let influence us, what we listen to and watch and read today. Something powerful that I would recommend, like number one is you have to understand, we have to understand, God, who do you say that I am? Yeah. What does your word say about who I am as a person? What's available to me? A life-changing thing for me in the last five, 10 years has been a practice, what I call the daily prayer. And it is, takes me about 18 minutes. It moved from me listening to it, listening to it and reading it, just reading it, and then having it memorized where I have like 18 minutes of prayer. That's really just, it's declaring and it's receiving what God's word says about me and what's available to me because of the work of Jesus, the work Mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit and what God has endowed. When I've memorized that, it starts to become like ingrained in me. It's now a fabric of my foundation. So that's like huge for me to be able to um, overcome and to be able to understand who am I really, really supposed to be. That's a huge thing for me to start identifying um, who I'm actually supposed to be. Right. And so then when I start acting and I'm like, wait a second, I'm behaving or acting in a way that isn't exactly who God says I am or, or what's available to me. I have some weapons and some tools to be able to overcome that. That's super, super helpful. Another part is again, who do you let influence, right? So if you're, if you're just on like social all the time and you're looking at famous celebrities with big platforms and they're not following godly principles, chances are that they're leading you towards a belief system and a value system that doesn't necessarily uh, echo God's, you know, instructions for humanity or, uh, helps you live out your unique qualities instead, God, who do you say I am just generally what's available to me? What have you already declared over me? And then going again, going back to that fundamental question. Okay, God, I recognize that I want to be more fully alive. Who did you make me to be? Will you show me that? Another thing is think about, you know, what's, what was your less, your last best day ever, right? Best okay. day ever, right? What was it about that best day or that best moment that really, made it the best. And I I think if, if we're honest with ourselves, we might start seeing patterns that, Oh, like for me, it was the last time I was able to go on a hike. It was just amazing. Right. Just to be able to, I I know that it's part of my stories. I need to be able to get away, be in nature, be quiet. It helps me to recharge. 
or the last best day ever was when I was able to run into someone in the hallway. This just happened yesterday, actually at work Mm -hmm. for me. And it happened about five times, which is really a fun story. But, um, what I felt like was just so life giving is being able to interact with someone, see the joy light up on their face, encouraging them, seeing their, their sort of countenance. If you know people and you can see somebody who's just like had a rough day and then you speak to them and visit with them. And then they're like, they leave like energized, right? You can literally see their, their, they get taller, right? It, that's a, that's a place where I recognize like, wow, that i I had a great day yesterday because of those five moment moments where I could see somebody transform. That's a clue that part of who God made me to be is to speak a life and encouragement into people. Right. So look for those clues. God makes them, I think fairly simple for us to find Mm -hmm. if we just look and if we just ask another area that I love is stories, right? We, uh, we're, we're a people that really lives in stories and we understand, we interpret life through stories. And so I I tend to look for caricatures. I didn't do this, uh, you know, until I was a little bit more mature and could do this, but I look for who are the types of characters that I really resonate with or that really inspire me. And so I, I like, I like movies. I, I've watched I know films. where this is going. It's I'm, in the book. It's in I'm the book. I'm excited yeah. to hear about I'm it. An old, I'm an old school guy. So most of my movies are like from 10 years ago or so. It's called having a family. I don't have a margin for watching <laughs> movies much anymore, but my favorite film of all time is the matrix. And uh, that film's already like, man, 20, 30 years old, I think. But uh, what's really powerful in the matrix. And I'm just going to share, share kind of several caricatures, right. Of, mm-hmm. of masculinity or manhood or just personhood, right. Is the main character Neo played by Keanu Reeves is, um, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of living out his life, just kind of bored, bored, but he's extremely gifted, but he continues to be kind of pressed down and compressed. There's this moment in the film where he's late to work and uh, he gets caught by his boss and they brings the boss brings him into the office and he's just lecturing him. And you can tell him that, that you can just tell that he's like checked out. Like, what is this all about? Right. Uh, the, the film's brilliant in that way. Um, there's a moment where he's trying to really like maximize a giftedness and he's doing it in an illegal way with software, right? He's a really brilliant mind, but he's doing it in an illegal way with software. He's staying up at night. He knows that something's not quite right. You have another character named Morpheus and Morpheus is like the mentor, the sage, the one that's calling the hero forth, right? And Morpheus enters into Neo's life and he actually helps Neo understand who he is and who he was made to be. And there's a, there's a pivotal point in the film where Neo recognizes who he was made to be. He recognizes his giftedness and his power. He starts to believe and he transitions away from just kind of being beat down and subdued and passive and just kind of on the side, living out illegal things that kind of bring him a little life to really understanding that he's a hero, that he's a really literally a savior of the world is, is what his character becomes. And it requires somebody to speak that life and that truth into him. And and so those are really powerful characters where you see that in just in that one film of kind of the, the poser, the one who's being stuck down and and shoved down into something he's not really supposed to be. Somebody speaks forth life. He starts asking the question he's searching in in the film for greater meaning. Somebody helps him elevate that and he begins to believe and he begins to embrace and that embracing of that and living it out literally saves people. It changes people's lives forever. He's empowered to defeat the enemies that are trying to keep people down, bring people to life. Such a powerful powerful world word, a prophetic word, I think for people who are struggling with their identity, that it is possible, um, to be able to break free of the cycle, break free of kind of the matrix that might have us not really asking those questions or being willing to step out of our comfort zone and, uh, go through the work to go through the upgrades, to go through the training, to be the fullest version of who God made us to be. And when you do that, you have the power to set people free to live a better life for yourself. And that's going to cause people to ask a question why you have the hope that you have, which is amazing. That's actually the good news that Jesus came to offer. The gospel translated into Greek is Evangelion, which means good news. That good news needs to be good in your life for people to ask you where you have hope for to actually exude that hope. And that's such a powerful, such a powerful story. Uh, and that's what I think is just beautiful about your story too, Christy, is uh, you're living that out. And so now you have that hope. Your life looks like good news because of the transformative power of Jesus in your life. Thank you, Will. I think three things that really stand out with Neo and Morpheus that I just want to kind of hit on is first and foremost, like being held back 
or being oppressed or feeling like there's something more and you're not breaking free through that sucks. Mm-hmm. Sitting in that situation and staying back. And, and I know that there are people that feel that right now that are literally like, I hate what I do. I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I'm under some leadership that's bad. I feel like, you know, like in the example you give where the guy's just kind of nailing them, railing them, you know, whatever. And you're just like sitting there going, oh, I can't stand another day of this. I think sometimes we think we have to, we have to stay stuck. We have to, but it was like enough, enough curiosity and Neo helped him realize that there was more, there's something else there. And then in walks Morpheus. So the next thing is like, do you have a mentor in your life? Do you have a will good? Do you have an encourager? Do you have somebody speaking truth into your life? Because if you're in that space of broken down, just doesn't feel like the world means anything right now, then an encourager or a mentor or somebody walking alongside of you would be a great next step, a life coach, anybody. So I guess if you're feeling stuck right now, finding that mentor would just be really, really big. And then the last thing I see from that example is the power that takes place. Excuse me. The power that takes place once you finally walk in your calling. I mean, he, he literally became a hero and saved so many people. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm just grateful that you shared. uh, I got to watch that movie. Will I mean, it's gotta happen. It has to happen. So I want to just practically shake this out as we sort of land the plane here today. There is so many wisdom nuggets, like I said, that you gave us, but it's hard to sometimes put the pieces back together and go, okay, I get it. I need purpose. I need to make sure that I have hope in Jesus Christ. I need to, you know, put aside all this man womanhood stuff and just walk in my gifting, whatever that. And and one thing that I just want to say that stood out in the story about, you know, whoever you um, encouraged at work for whatever reason, sometimes guys don't get the rap of, emotional intelligence or loving people kindly or listening, you know, and, and letting people cry with them. You know, men don't necessarily get that, but you do that so well. You are a man who lets people have emotions and listen and cry and you feel loved and encouraged. And I don't know why we don't have more of that with men. Could you speak into that for a second? That's great, Christy. That's a hard question to to answer. Uh, I just, I know in my life I've yielded to God's gifting in me, whereas, you know, the cultural trajectory would be for me to be a manly man who has no emotions, who's hardcore and and who just, you know, bows up and, Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And that, to be honest, I just never resonated with me more of the, um, sensitive, emotional, uh, intelligent side of me is just part of I think who God made me to be there, right? This is in the circle of how God uniquely made me to be, which is different. Doesn't mean that man, if you're listening, that you can't learn those skills. They're all, they're all teachable. I've allowed and I've invited God. Would you use me? If that's a space, would you use me in that? And so it's a, it's a unique privilege and gift for me, but the trajectory again of our culture, that these are the stereotypes, right? It's often what we've let influence us. Um, I come from a generation where I didn't see very many men model that sort of behavior in me. And so I give credit just like the work that God's done in me and a very small set of men that I allowed to have a, um, let's say a a disproportionate amount of influence. So this is part about the relation. You have a lot of uh, relationships, but you can kind of choose or later reframe how much influence you allow or impact you allow somebody to have in your life. And so um, part of that is guys, you know, if you feel like you're struggling with, emotional intelligence or just really being open to the scary emotions or allowing people to, to cry or just really being present in moments. It's something you can learn. And I would invite you and challenge you to look for, like Christy said, a mentor or look for some resources. There's plenty of things you can read again about influence. Let those who are emotionally intelligent, who are open, who really know how to love and shepherd people. Well, let them speak into your life. Even if it's only five minutes or one book you ever read, give it a permission to have a disproportionate impact in your life because it will make you a better person, a better friend, son, 
father or husband, you know, if you're a, a dad or, or a spouse, a better worker, a better coworker, a better manager or leader in your job when you open up yourself to that way. And what I will tell you too, what's powerful about relationships and opening up is it creates deeper relationships, which leads to deeper trust, which just leads to better outcomes, period, in every relationship. And it's applicable in the work world as well. I don't know if that answered your question, yes, but it, sure did. it was a really great insight. I want to leave people with some tangible, mm-hmm. practical mm-hmm. resources, steps, say they're, they're struggling with this, something resonated. You yeah. said something. It was like, oh boy. Yeah. I need what, where can they go? What they, what can they turn? Give them some steps, some actions, anything. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, th- I think we can link some of this in the show notes yes. as well. I want to share, I want to share a quote in a, in a scripture and then I'm going to give you some questions to ask that I think would be great. One resource before I do that, I mentioned it earlier, is the daily prayer. It's something you can download or listen to on the Wild at Heart app. We can link that in the show notes, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's that's huge to be able to uh, reframe your purpose and your identity and who God's made you to be and declare those things of your life. That was fundamentally life-changing to me. I recommend it to everybody. It's super important. But what I want to say uh, to particularly anybody who's listening today who's not really sure where to start. There's a, there's a story in, um, I think it's Matthew 13 and this is, um, this is about becoming good soil, right? It's about the parable of the, the sower and the seed. But the whole idea is we have a choice in our life of what the condition of our heart or our, 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 our self is going to be in terms of the soil. There's lots of lessons we can learn or lots of things that we can receive. It's what are we going to do with that, that stuff? Right. Um, I heard a, a quote, um, or heard this, this gal Haley Braun is, um, was on a pack podcast and, and she kind of mentioned this, this metaphor of whenever you have an encounter or you receive a truth or there's something meaningful in your life, it's like somebody handed you a piece of fruit, let's say peaches, right? I don't, everybody out there probably loves peaches. Hope you love peaches. It's peach season, cream, season, peaches, but so good. You can eat the peach, right? It's sloppy. It's, it's juicy. It's sweet. It's so tasty. It's nourishing, right? In the center of the peach is a pit, right? It's a seed. So you can eat the fruit and throw the seed away, right? It's temporary. But if you eat the fruit, receive the benefit of that encounter or that thing you learned, but then you're willing to cultivate soil in your life to plant that seed. Wow. And then you're going to do the work to, to fertilize it, to water it, to let it grow. Now you have everlasting value, everlasting seed, right? Like it's going to provide something that's long lasting for you. And that's something I would encourage anybody who's listening to is just that curiosity. Like you mentioned earlier, that's the first step is I want to be curious. I'm I'm willing to ask some questions. I'm going to give you some questions to ask, but when you start receiving answers, you got to take time. You got to be willing to just throw away the pit, right? Don't throw away the pit, plant it, do the work. And that's, what's going to ultimately grow as you cultivate good soil in your own self, right? It's going to grow into something that has everlasting benefit. And I, I say this often, um, you've probably heard my wife, Sarah, say this before, and I'm sure I stole it from somebody else, but the fruit that we bear in our life is not for us, right? Uh, a, a vine, a grapevine doesn't, you know, grow grapes for the grapevine to eat the grapes, right? It's for other people to come and pluck and eat. Yes. Same thing for us. And so when you're able to actually plant those seeds, it's not, you're going to actually provide that value for other people as well. And that's one of the the just glorious benefits of how God made us, why he gave us gifts, right? Is to help to nourish other people. So let me ask some questions, right? Please. Curiosity is the first part. And so I'm just going to ask you, I've got, I've got seven questions here. And then I want to leave with, um, with a really cool quote. The first question is, am I fully alive? Mm-hmm. Ask yourself, do I feel like I'm really fully alive? And that question is so huge. It's not about, am I a real man? Am I a real woman? It's more like this, God, am I really fully alive in who you intended to me, uh, intended me to be? Am I fully alive? And I want you to dream for a second. Imagine that you were fully alive. How would your life be different? Second question might be the most important one. Do I want to be fully alive? Yeah. Right. Do I want to be? And if not, maybe why not? What's holding you back? If you submit that to God, uh, he'll give you wisdom there. Third, do I know and trust God? That's fundamental. Daily prayer will help you understand and, and be able to answer that question better. The fourth question, do I know who he says I am? Daily prayer is going to help you with that reading scripture, getting into his, his heart for you. Five, do I know what makes me come alive? This is that question in who God made me to be. What really makes me alive? You can ask and he'll give you wisdom for that. Six, what is my story done to me? Right? Where are you at living in your story today? Is your story in a place where you're being, I feel like you're being punished and you're not able to be 
who God made you to be or you being promoted, just being honest about that will help to open up further dialogue and, and be able to come, you know, become more fully alive who, who you were made to be. Um, what is my story done? And then seven is the last one. What am I willing to invest to become fully alive? Yeah. Yeah. Right. What am I willing to invest to become fully alive? There's so much value in, in those seven questions. And I think we probably put those in the notes too, to help folks who Absolutely. want those. I know you're good at doing that. Those questions are powerful. Start with curiosity, ask those questions, and that will allow you to transition from where you are today to who God destined you to be when he made you in his image. I want to leave with this quote. It's from Dr. Howard Thurman. And he writes this, don't ask what the world needs. Instead, ask what makes you become fully alive because what the world really needs are men and women who are fully alive. So good. Well, friends, we want you to be fully alive. We hope that this podcast today helped you find freedom from whatever stereotype, whatever pressure, whatever uh, something somebody told you that you've been believing your whole life and it's now just been erupted right now because it's not really true. Who does God say that you are? And that's what we want you to walk in. I'm actually going to stick around with Will a little bit longer and I'm going to talk to him, ask some more questions in our bonus content about Will's story, a little bit more about Will's story, how he has become so emotionally intelligent, maybe some pain that he's walked through that's got him to where he is, because I feel like that is so incredibly important uh, to walk out an image bearer of God, being a man in Christ who, who does allow those emotions. I also want to talk a little bit more about what does it look like to have like co-laboring with men and women in the home and in the church. I want to ask you a few questions about that. So for five dollars a month, you can subscribe for pod to podcast plus, and you're going to get this bonus content. So if that's something that's interesting to you and you want to stick around for that, please go ahead and subscribe to podcast plus. Will, thank you so much for being here today. I think that people are going to feel exactly the same way I do about you, which is you are so full of wisdom. You're an incredible encourager. And I feel so strongly that someone is going to be so encouraged by the, by, by the uh, episode that we just did here today. So thank you for being on Fearless Tips and Tips. My pleasure. Thank you, Christy. If you found this to be helpful, you can find out so much more in my book, Nervous Breakthrough. And guess what? Right now you can order it on Amazon. Also, can you do something for me? Will you help us get the word out about this podcast? I would be so honored if you would share it with your loved ones, rate it, review it, and also be sure to subscribe. And lastly, And I really mean this. We want to hear from you. If you have suggestions or ideas on something that I should cover or a tip that you'd really like help on, please send us an email podcast at fearlessunite.com. Again, that's podcast at fearlessunite.com. Thank you so much for listening.